0: Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy.
1: Thank you for joining us for an episode of ASHP's Practice Journeys, Career Pearls for Students. In this podcast series, you will hear from pharmacists who work in various pharmacy practice settings to learn more about what a day in the life is like. You'll dive into careers you may have an interest in but never took the time to learn about, or you may even find out about a practice area you never knew existed. My name is Austin Werab, a third-year student pharmacist at the University of Southern California School of Pharmacy and the Vice Chair of the ASHP Pharmacy Student Forum. Today, I'll be chatting with Dr. Patria Kober. Thank you for joining us today. Patria, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your current position?
0: Yeah, so I am a neonatal uh, clinical pharmacist at Akron Children's Hospital. And I am a professor of pharmacy practice at Northeast Ohio Medical University College of Pharmacy in Rootstown, Ohio. And my current practice, so we have nine NICUs within the Akron Children's Enterprise. And I work with two other clinical pharmacists to manage those NICUs within the system. I'm at the level four NICU, so a 75-bed level four, so that would be the highest NICU within the system.
1: Wow. Yeah, nine NICUs. That is amazing. A lot of collaboration going on. Thank you so much. So uh, going into that a little further, can you tell me what it's like uh, for the training requirements, what, what it would be like to be a pediatric pharmacist in that position?
0: So, yeah. So after the completion of your doctor of pharmacy, so you go through pharmacy school, you would do a PGY-1 residency. Um, When I was graduating, there weren't really PGY-1 pharmacy residencies at children's hospitals. So it was very common for us to do a PGY-1 at an adult institution with some peds opportunities of some sort. The option now does exist. You can either do that at an adult institution with peds as an option for a rotation or two, or you can now do a PGY-1 at a children's hospital. Most clinical pharmacists though, uh, particularly those in the critical care environment, such as myself, would then go and also do a PGY-2 in pediatrics. And that's definitely what we did after we did our um, traditional adult PGY-1, we would all go do a PGY-2 in a pediatric hospital. So now you do have trainees that will do two years in a children's hospital. So their PGY-1 and their PGY-2. Some PGY-2s uh, have the option to specialize in some forms. And I know some of that is still getting ironed out with ASHP, but hopefully it will be soon. So you can specialize to some extent and take more rotations in a given area, depending on what you're interested in. After you finish your PGY-2 in pediatrics, you then go on to find a clinical position within pediatric pharmacy. Most of those clinical positions would like you to become board certified as a pediatric pharmacist. So that'd be a board certified pediatric pharmacy specialist or BCPS within the first year that you're a clinical pharmacist. Um, after a PGY2, a PGY-2, pardon me, you would actually um, be able to take that exam right after your residency. If you only do a PGY-1 at a children's hospital, you have to practice for three years in total in pediatrics before you can sit for that board exam.
1: Oh, great, thank you. Yeah, as someone that's very interested in pediatric pharmacy myself, um, that's definitely something that I will note and (laughs) follow along. So looking a little further into the background of your current practice, could you give us a little bit of background about your practice site and professional responsibilities as a pediatric pharmacist?
0: Sure. So um, being a NICU pharmacist, I round on neonatal patients um, every day. So in my current practice, I have the 75-bed level 4 NICU at Akron Children's. And we have three teams, so you don't have 75 patients all on one team. There are three services, so three attendings round in that unit each and every day. One service has all the acute patients, so just born, extremely ill, those type of patients. That's the service I physically round with every day. So the sicker kids that have more problems, have more going on with them, those are the ones that I physically go and see each patient at the bedside. The other two teams would be a mixture at in my institution, so the first service has feeders and growers, so the kids on the sick service get better and just need to grow so that they can go home. And that's also where we put our gastrointestinal problem patients. So those are patients who most likely have GI-related issues and may require even home parental nutrition. On the other service, we also have feeders and growers because we have to divide them out so we don't have too many um, really sick, chronic kids on one uh, of those services. But then we also have all of our long-term ventilation patients. So anyone who has a tracheostomy and is going to go home on a home ventilator goes on that service. So I don't physically round on those two services every day. However, I'm available for questions every day. So I frequently get asked questions, either during rounds or after rounds, before rounds for those patients, primarily for medications that they may be on. um, Also for rental nutrition, if they should still be on it, may also get questions on medication weans. That's very common to get steroid tapers or pain and sedation weans for those patients that are on those services um, as well. So that's kind of how the patient population is. In addition to that, I basically am the drug resource of information for the team. So I like to tell people who come up and ask, you know, like, what do you do? Because they only see the pharmacist as someone who's dispensing medications. I do not dispense any medications. So I only work with my team. And in that regard, I kind of see myself as almost like a consultant. I'm like the pharmacy specialist that brings that to the interprofessional team that we have. So I provide all the drug dosing, the drug information, I write parental nutrition, I do compatibility questions. So anything that comes up related to medications, I help the team do that for our babies. And they can be anywhere from 18 weeks early, so 22 weeks gestational age to term infants, and then on past that. Our oldest patients are trach vent patients, and they have stayed for up to 20 months in the unit. So definitely a broad range that we kind of cover.
1: Wow, that's incredible. Thank you for elaborating, especially on the questions that you receive as a pharmacist. I think as a student, that's one thing that always crosses my mind is, you know, the daily responsibilities, but also that impact that you make on the team as that uh, drug specialist. So that's incredible. Kind of along the same lines, what does a typical workday look like for you?
0: Every day is different. It comes with its um, joys and its challenges in the NICU population. So most of the morning is spent rounding uh, with those patients in the NICU. So we could round anywhere between you know a couple of hours to four or five hours depending on how sick those patients are in the unit. Then usually around lunchish time, I migrate to more meetings. So definitely sit on things like medication safety, quality improvement, for the NICU, different discussions that we may have about implementation of products in the NICU or in the hospital in general, meet with my colleagues that I have here at the children's hospital. They're also clinical pharmacists in group projects and group dynamics. Also it's time to work on projects, meet with students. So as a professor at Neomed, I take students in the NICU. And so I would have topic discussions, review patients with them, talk through different scenarios and sometimes it's just a triage time of trying to figure out how to get the medications into these small patients. So a lot of my day is spent working with the staff pharmacist to figure out how I can get what these patients need in a way that best meets their needs.
1: So kind of, uh, along those lines, um, you mentioned working with students, other team members, triage. Um, every day is a little different and every aspect is a little rewarding in its own way, I'm sure. So, what would you say is the most rewarding part of your job?
0: So, I would say there are two things. So, definitely from the patient perspective, it's seeing those patients get better, get healthier, and going home with their parents. So, that is always the goal. These children. of them have never been home. So very few of them actually come in from home to a NICU situation. So these parents are taking their child home for the first time ever. And so it's a big thing for them to take that child home. And so it's really rewarding to see them go home and um, be healthy and happy in, in what they're doing. On the flip side... For my professional, like, professor side of me, then I also get to train students and residents for becoming, hopefully, pediatric pharmacist. I kiddingly say to them that someday I want to retire, so I've got to train them up in being how a pediatric par- pharmacist is supposed to be so I can retire someday not tomorrow, but, you know, someday. So really getting to see pharmacy students and pharmacy residents grow and become the practitioners and hopefully maybe even a peds practitioner that they're supposed to be is extremely rewarding. They're kind of like my children.
1: Absolutely. Um, and that's why we uh, greatly value your time on this podcast today, because you're spreading your reach farther, you know, uh, to more students out there. So yeah, it's it's very very valued. So uh, on a kind of a flip aspect to that, what would you say are some unique challenges that are presented in your uh, various roles?
0: So unique challenges, I would say there are also two. So definitely, when you think about this patient population, it's not like there's a plethora of drug knowledge. For them. So oftentimes I have to work within a system of limited information and figure out how I'm going to give these medications and dose them correctly for each and every baby and gestational age that I have. So sometimes I'm going with very limited information. It's very common for pediatric pharmacists to consult others. And so from that standpoint, we oftentimes network with people and ask our questions amongst other clinical pharmacists to see kind of what they've done in those situations and build off of those group resources. Also, medications are not made primarily for neonatal patients. So I very frequently have to modify and adjust with dilutions or cutting tablets or making suspensions or different things in order to get it in a dosage form that I can actually give the patient Or that will actually infuse on the syringe pumps, the IV pumps that we have because the doses are so small. Um, So I may have to do a dilution or put it in a smaller syringe or do something different. So I really tell people that are kind of going into a pediatric pharmacy career, you're going to have to think outside the box. Because you're going to have to think about like, how can I do this? And it's not clear cut all the time, both from the aspect of the information as well as the products.
1: Yeah. And I think that's such, um, like you said, definitely a challenge presented in the job, but something like looking at the pediatric field for me is so interesting. It's not clear cut. It's not by the book. It's something that you have that clinical knowledge for, and then you find the solution for it. So Um, That's
0: never a boring day.
1: Exactly, exactly. That's fascinating to me. So thank you for elaborating on that. You mentioned earlier that um, about dispensing medications um, as a common misconception for your role. Are there any other common misconceptions uh, for your role as a pediatric pharmacist?
0: I think many people think that a pediatric pharmacist and even more so a neonatal pharmacist that it's a scary job. So they're extremely scared of it. And I, so I love to have students come on rotation and get, gain the knowledge they need so they feel comfortable to ask and answer some basic questions. You know, I tell them, you are even, even if you're in retail, you are going to get a lot of questions about children and over-the-counter medications. So you need to understand When does something look scary and when something's not so scary? When is it okay that a pediatrician has told you to use this product that maybe you don't have as much OTC information about, but since the pediatrician is using it under him or her, then you would be able to, you know, use that for that patient. So really taking out the scary factor is what I think a lot of people find a challenge um, and I know this is even true for my own husband, who's an adult physician. He's like, I don't know how you do peds any day because it's just so scary. And honestly, it's very rewarding and patients fall into certain categories traditionally. So um, trust me, old people make me scared.
1: Yeah, and I think that's such an important point uh, to bring up. Um, a lot of even student pharmacists when, they're, when I'm asking about their interests um they'll ask me about mine because I'm working at a children's hospital and they'll say what you know why do you want to do that that's so scary you know those tiny doses and little babies and stuff like that so um, I think that's a huge huge misconception but um uh, the impact is great so all right I think we have time for just one more question what advice do you have for a pharmacy student who might be interested in a job like yours
0: so I definitely think you know you all have so many more opportunities to do pediatrics than I did when I was a student. You know, we didn't have all the hospital internships. There's more uh, community-based internships that we did. You have opportunities to go work in a children's hospital. You, I would definitely recommend shadowing a pediatric pharmacist at all possible to see kind of what they do. Um, And and just getting involved in different organizations. Lots of organizations, no matter if it is 100% peds-based or it has a mixed component to it, there's usually a peds aspect that you can bring to something. Say, for example, poison prevention, asthma education. These are things that are very commonly done in pediatrics. And so just getting involved even in a pediatric aspect of any pharmacy organization will really help you see if you like to work with children and if that is the right place for you.
1: Yeah, thank you for elaborating. I think a lot of, um, at least from what I've heard from students, is that they're interested in pediatrics, but there's, they don't know what to do. You know, they, they think that it's the only opportunity is working at a children's hospital. So um, those experiences that you mentioned are, are very great. So unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. Um, I want to thank you, Dr. Katria Kober, for joining us and sharing your story. Um, join us here at ASHP Official and the Practice Journeys. Career Pros for Student Pharmacists podcast series, as we continue to explore different careers and practice settings. I'm Austin Awarab. Thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes and download the episode transcript